Northern New York Community Podcasts, stories from the heart of our community. Hi folks and welcome to this edition of the Northern New York Community Podcast. I'm your host, Max Del Signor. We have an exciting and insightful discussion to share with you. We have five impressive leaders setting a meaningful standard for the next generation in the North Country. We will visit with three young professionals serving on the Northern New York Community Foundation Lead Council. Robert Slager, who's the Assistant Vice President of Carthage Savings and Loan Association. Aaron Simser, graphic designer and marketing specialist for Wynn Companies, and Joanna Loomis, director of provider strategy for the North Country Initiative. We also have two high school seniors with us who help lead the Youth Philanthropy Council program at the Community Foundation. Lauren Quinn, who is a senior at Immaculate Heart Central School, and Graydon Burnett, also a senior at Sackett's Harbor Central School. Together we will talk about motivations for giving back, identifying characteristics of true leaders, and where young leaders can make a difference in the North Country today. Before we kick off the conversation, let's take a moment to thank our supporters, WPBS and the Northern New York Community Foundation. They are responsible for producing these important stories from the heart of our community. Please go to WPBSTV.org to see the latest from WPBS and NNYCF.org for more on the Foundation's meaningful work. Now that the introductions are complete, Let's have some dialogue. It's great to have all of you here. Thank you. Now, I just wanted to open with a general question, and anybody can start with this, but given your age and where you are in the community right now, I just think it would be appropriate to start with what your motivations are to give back to the community the way that you do. Joanna, do you want to start? Sure. <laughs> so um, I think what really motivates me is the fact that this community has given so much to me um, growing up in uh, Rodman, New York, nearby, and less than economically favorable circumstances. I um, had some barriers that I had to overcome, but luckily I had a community around me that was able to support me and lift me up and encourage me to take risks that I otherwise probably would not have, including applying to private universities. And that was something that I just felt was unattainable, but um, because they urged me on, I was able to do that. And, and I went to St. Lawrence University. It was a fabulous experience. Got to study abroad, got to really see a lot of the world. Um, and I owe that a lot to the community. So in turn, being back here as a resident and making this my, my really permanent home, um, it's important to give back to the community that's given so much to me. Uh, in regards to me, um a lot of my giving back was instilled in me at a young age. So I grew up in a household where my parents were pretty involved in the community and they didn't just leave us home, they took us to those events. So when we were young, we were volunteering just the same as our parents were, obviously not in the same capacity, but we were there, we were seeing it. We got to see the impact that it made. Um, I also grew up in a Catholic school um, in which didn't have funding. So the only way the school were to get funding was through our fundraisers or through volunteer support. So growing up that way, kindergarten through eighth grade, you learn that you know, the more successful you are with your fundraising, you, know, you might get a better uniform or you'd have better school supplies. On top of all that, you saw the parents that were willing to volunteer their time so that we could have a better educational experience. Um, they didn't have to do that, but because they would give those hours, it was less resources that had to be paid for other people. Um, so it kept the school afloat and that school is still surviving because of volunteer efforts. I have children. I have a, a daughter, so I want her to grow up with uh, that similar experience. So my getting involved, I want to instill those values that my parents instilled into me and to her, as well as give back to the community that was, as Joanna said, gave back to us. 
As for me as a senior, ever since seventh grade, I was involved in community service at my school because I really wanted to give back what I had used previously in my life. And once the council was open to me, I had to jump on the opportunity to join and help other nonprofits around me. Uh, my experience is a lot like Rob's, um, growing up with uh, a father and grandmother who were very active in the community um, and seeing all the work that they were doing uh, really kind of laid the groundwork and the foundation for what I have felt I needed to do coming back after college uh, and raising my family here. Um, you know, I wanted to continue that legacy and continue to give back and do good things for my family, for my friends, but really to show my, my children and, um, you know, all the things that they can do when they set their mind to it. And also, so, you know, the, it's a place that they're proud to be from um, and that there's opportunities for them um, and hopefully someplace they remember and come back to with fond memories. For me, growing up, I wasn't um, involved in my community very much, and I still felt very passionate about my community. I love my community, and any little negative thing that someone would say about um, the community that we all live in would uh, really um, impact me in a way. So I felt passionate to join YPC so I could change some things. One of the things we talked about before this conversation was trying to pick leaders, you know, either that you want to emulate, that you admire and everybody here said it's hard to pick one because you have so many and they might be at a local level, national, global. To, to kind of narrow the focus of the question, what are some of the characteristics of a leader that you pick out that you feel are most important and that maybe you try to emulate whether that's in your job or in your community? I think the biggest characteristic you can have as a leader is to hold responsibility for your actions and decisions, decisions excuse me, because if you're not accountable, then you have nothing to trace it back to and you have no self-acceptance. And I think it's great to have your decisions on your mind at all times, no matter if you make the right decision or the wrong decision, to help you learn from that and to keep growing. Um, I think a, a good leader is open-minded, able to listen, and um, I know it's spoken earlier, but very humble. Um, when you get put in situations where you're leading, you want to make sure that it's not agenda driven. It should be driven by the mission of the organization in which you're being a part of. Um, I think that's very important. Now missions do change, but they should change as a collaboration of what the work is being done, not because of something someone physically or specifically wants to do. I think if you run your mission to its course and it continues to grow, you'll build off that and you'll continue to do good work. And if you're willing to listen to the people in which you're helping or even the people that you're working with, that'll allow it to grow without having to put different aspects into your mission. So I think a leader absolutely needs to be humble, especially to those around him, because you're not going to be a good leader if you let, um, let it go to your head and you don't listen to those around you. And you have to be respectful to everyone around you because being a good leader starts with the people around you. For me, I'd say um, vision is a huge characteristic of leaders, and um, I've really admired leaders who have clarity of vision. Um, being able to sort through all of the minutiae of everything that's going on and really having a very clear vision and decision-making processes to kind of use in moving forward, um, I admire that and try in my own ways to emulate that. And for me, I would 
I would have to say inspiration. So I always find myself gravitating towards leaders who kind of effortlessly inspire others um, with their words, with their actions, you know, really driving people to figure out what motivates them and continue to push them in that direction and sharing stories and examples about, you know, good leaders and why they lead. I, I always find that very inspiring for lack of a better word. Uh, and, you know, I, I hope that when I'm out and I'm able to be put in a situation where I'm able to lead, um, that others can gain some kind of inspiration from that. The five of you in a position now where you have an understanding of how important it is to build your contacts or your network, either to maximize your leadership opportunities or seek them out for Graydon and Lauren, you guys, I think, have a pretty good grasp of why that's key as you go off to college or think about your first job. Can you share a little bit, just for those that may listen to this, how important it is to build connections, build your personal network so that you can really and truly maximize your leadership opportunities? As I learn to meet people and learn to communicate with others around the community, um, I realized that I have to build my relationships with people that have the same visions as me, the same mission as me, because they're going to help me get to where I want to be. The biggest part of building my network is definitely just having the support around me to get to where I want to be and to help out around my community, just be able to end up at my end goal. I guess the big way to look at it is you don't know what you don't know. So by being involved with more groups, it helps you build a vision of your area a little bit more than through a small lens. Um, a lot of people out there are trying to do good things and a lot of them are trying to do the same good things and sometimes if they're not working together they could be competing against each other not because they're trying to compete against each other just because there is limited resources out there in regards to funding where a lot of times if they understand each other's missions and you work together well with them you could either collaborate together to build more resources or reduce a lot of the costs that might come into play when you're trying to do things in a similar manner. So the more people you know, the more people that you know and you understand them, and once you understand them and understand their mission, you'll realize that a lot of things you do will fit, especially in a small area. And if you start working together on the things that fit, I think everyone will be more successful. I completely echo that. Yeah, I think um, sometimes, especially in America, we kind of fall prey to this lone ranger syndrome that you think you got to go out and be the only one doing something and there's a whole context that you're walking into that you need to understand and um, you're only going to do that by forming real human connections with others um, in the community um, who can give different perspectives on the very cause that is um, that you're passionate about. Um, so I don't think we can effectively lead alone. We have to effectively lead with a whole teamwork of a whole uh, group of people in the community. I feel like you can be the most avid uh, community member and community leader, but to a certain extent, you still don't recognize and realize different organizations and what different people are doing in your community. So I feel like even if you are that one person who's super involved with your community, you can always do more and you will continuously learn more about your community all throughout the process. I think that's one of the great things about the Community Foundation and being a part of LEAD is meeting all the different kinds of people and the businesses that they're in and organizations that they're tied to. We've all had an opportunity to work together and talk about our experiences and 
you know, build partnerships and, and collaborations that I think have really helped benefit this community. And being that it's a small community, I feel like we do an, an exceptional job bringing the leaders together, working together to really make this a, a much better place to, to live and work. And just to touch on that again, if you're going after a very important mission and you're reaching out for that support, coming from you to certain businesses might not make an impact as maybe someone in that business that also agrees with your mission. So by making connections with your local businesses, your local nonprofits, or just local people that care about your community, when they go in to present it, it might mean more than coming from you. So I think it's very important that you build networks because if they believe in your mission, they're gonna be an advocate for your mission without you having to be that one person always going out there. Well, that's a great point. One of the things, Aaron, you touched on, and I think it's a nice segue or a good point in the conversation is about our lead council group at the foundation. So it's a, essentially it's a cohort of young professionals from the Tri-County region. I think we have there's more than 20 that are on the council currently that are charged with being the strategic grant-making arm of the Northern New York Community Foundation. What's unique about what Rob, Aaron, and Joanna do is identifying the need, doing the research to really hone in on that need, and thoughtfully kind of approach how you could take charitable resources and dollars to address it. And to the three of you, you know, you and your co and your peers do a really nice job thinking through the process. It probably could be agonizing at times because you're trying to figure out what's the end game here. But to your credit, I think Lee does a really outstanding job picking out the needs that matter most to you as a group and then trying to deploy the resources that are going to matter and make a difference. Um, to some more directed questions, and Joanne, I want to start with you on this first. Your focus is in healthcare with the North Country Initiative. You see a, an array of community needs through that lens. Where can young leaders really create change in this community, and maybe not necessarily just in healthcare, but as you look at the community as a whole, where can young leaders start and help right now? Like we talked about earlier in the day, I think at the risk of sounding generic, I don't think there's an area in our community that doesn't require young leaders' attention or any leaders' attention. So I think what's important with this is that leaders are in tune with what kind of stimulates them and what they're passionate about, and that's kind of where you need to start. And, and really kind of to Rob's points earlier, again, form that network so that you're meeting with and talking with people of different perspectives and in different sectors of your community that are also passionate about that need. What do they know about the need? What's their take on it? Um, and I think it's important too to really, whatever you do, um, be able to separate out the symptoms of the need versus the causes of the need. Um, sometimes very well-meaning people or organizations focus on the symptoms of a need, but they're not adequately addressing the causes of the need. And I think you really need to do both. Um, it shouldn't be one or the other. So, you know, an example of that could be a food pantry. And, and as someone who used to work in the human services world, and that was uh, a program that we ran, food pantries are wonderful and much needed, but at the end of the day, they're kind of just treating the symptom, right? Um, so how can you bolster that and do things that approach the, the actual cause? Um, so that could be things like, um, spurring community gardens, teaching people how to cook with healthy foods, um, doing other things in the world of economic empowerment so that people don't ever have to be in the position to utilize a food pantry. So that's one small sliver, um, but the moral of 
the story for me, I guess, is find what you're passionate about and then go find out as much as you can about that in the context of your community. And that will guide your work moving forward. Aaron, it's unique in your scenario. You have two sons, Riders of High School senior. So thinking about college, already has his institution picked out. He's going to Lemoyne. Uh, but you also have Max, who's in elementary school. Right. Tell us a little bit about those principles, values of giving back that you share with your two boys. Sure. Uh, so much like my upbringing, I felt it was very important to teach them at a very early age about the importance of giving back, volunteering, setting that example. So it wasn't just about talking to them, which we did do that at great length, um, but it was also about showing them and bringing them along to things that my husband and I are actively um, you know, involved in and, and letting them see the good that it's doing. Um, and the things that we were passionate about. And you know, a lot of our conversations would lead up to, okay, well, what kind of things are you interested in? What kind of things do you feel passionate about? Um, really finding, um, and a lot of it has changed significantly from you know, their early ages to now. A lot of it is, is very sports driven because they're sports fanatics. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether it's the booster club or my son, my little guy just did a jump rope-a-thon where he raised a bunch of money for the American Heart Association, um, you know, and at the end of the day, he said, Mom, I, get to, I just got to raise a bunch of money for kids who have bad hearts. So, you know, it, it's those little things, and he got very excited about it, and, and that, you know, made me excited because I, I'm hoping that these kind of personal um, achievements, goal setting that's also happening at the same time will be something that they'll continue to use throughout their lives um, in hopes that you know they can continue to find what they're passionate about and do good in their community wherever they end up. How much did Max raise? Uh, it ended up being 1350. In how many days? Uh, it was two weeks. I mean, that's pretty remarkable to do that in yeah. two weeks' time. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he's cute, so he won the cute vote <laughs> in a lot of instances, I think. And we have very generous friends and family. But he was, you know, he was out there, and he's like, I gotta send another message, Mom. I gotta send another message. So he was out talking and schmoozing and um, raising a lot of money, and it was a super proud mom moment. Well, it's, that's a great example. Gives us hope, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's cool, too, that it's telling him that you don't have to change the world in one big fell swoop. You, there are so many different ways to give back, and each one is unique and meaningful in its own way. And I think that's been another message of probably YPC and LEAD, that Sometimes I think we, we think we've got to change the whole world and y that starts by doing one thing. So you kind of have to start somewhere and you can make change in any number of ways. So that's really cool. Well, and I, I think the biggest thing for that too was, you know, the whole goal setting process. Like originally his first goal was $250. He said, I, I think I can do that. And, you know, we broke it out. He had two weeks. We figured out how much money every day. And he ended up reaching the 250 in less than 24 hours. And he looked at me and he said, that happened really fast. <laughs> and, you know, so that kind of sparked more conversation about, you know, setting goals and doing the right thing and why we're doing it. It gave us a lot of opportunity to talk about the whys, which I think are really important in, um, you know, where you choose to, uh, you know, put your efforts because there are so many things that we all could be involved in. But, you know, unless you're truly passionate, you know, you might not be able to give that 110%. And there's only so much of our days that we, you know, between families and work and everything else that's going on that we can give 
Um, so, you know, really being passionate helps keep the train moving forward, I think. Rob, your story is a little different. Not necessarily unique, but growing up, you're a native here from Carthage. You go away for work for a while, lived in Boston for a few years, but you decide to come home. Can you walk us through just the thought process of coming back and also why you got involved as quickly as you did and to the level that you're participating now? So Boston wasn't necessarily, hey, I want to go to Boston. It was a career that presented itself, and when you're young, you know, you follow work. And I was very successful, and I enjoyed Boston. I mean, if anyone's ever been to Boston, a historical city, lots to do. I mean, I was there for over three years, and I probably didn't touch one-eighth of what you could do out there, not even close to that. Um, but when I got through my third into my fourth year of being out there, wasn't you can you can you're happy because you're successful, but I you can't really explain it until you actually feel inside. But you're not happy. That's I guess is the best way to approach that. Um, I got a phone call. I was from Carthage Savings asking me if you know there's a spot open. We would like to have someone local, um, especially in the banking world. Banking is big on relationships. People want to be comfortable um, when you're dealing with money and uh, financing. Um, so I, I took the opportunity. It gave me a chance to come home, see my family, um, which I knew I wasn't happy. So I was like, you know, getting closer to family definitely made me happy. But I didn't really find my happiness until when I got home. Carthage Savings philosophy is, hey, you know, be out in the community. And I was, my family is well known, so I owe a lot of that to my parents. But I was recruited to sit on some committees and some boards immediately. And once I started doing that, you realize something because when you're in a city and you want to get involved, and I tried to get involved out there, and you can go to the food shelter and feed people for a day, but like Joanna said, that's just helping with that current situation. It's not stopping the problem. And in cities, they are jobs. People that are out there helping people, it's their job, it's their life. So you don't just get into something like that. You have to actually put a career into it. You, can't, you can volunteer, but the volunteer level of support in a city is pretty much just patching the problem, not actually making an impact on it. And I'm sure there's people that can go into a city as a volunteer and make an impact, but it's just you're a little fish in a huge ocean, so it's a little bit different. You, you come home to a local area where you know people, you have connections, you see people that you grew up with that maybe are in a little bit of trouble. You can make decisions that can immediately impact their lives right away. And it's as easy as saying yes. So I said yes to a couple boards, some that I had no experience about, which in hindsight was very beneficial because I didn't have an agenda going onto these boards. I could get onto them, I could listen to their mission, I could hear what they're trying to say, and just kind of be there as a resource. And as more people asked me to help because I had the time to do so, I didn't have a family yet, I didn't have a child um, at that point in my life, I could keep saying yes and helping out. What I came to find out by doing that is that my biggest support could be collaborating with all the boards that I was on as a whole. So I was finding out just in the small town of Carthage that there'd be so many organizations and they'd be running events on the same exact day. Well, there's only so much money in one community and they can only be in one place at one time. So when you're running an event and another organization, they're not trying to compete against each other, but they weren't on each other's boards to say, hey, we plan this on this day. And once you plan it, you market it, and you resource it, you're not changing your day once you find out someone else is doing that. So an immediate impact was, I'm sitting on a couple boards planning things on the same day, and I said, hey, wait a minute, this isn't a good idea, let's spread this out. And immediately they started making more money on their fundraising events because they weren't taking advantage of a limited resources, they're spreading it out and getting all the resources pulled into them for those specific days. 
Um, once you start to experience that and you can see that you're making an impact, that's when you found out, I found, personally found out what I was missing, is that I could make an immediate impact in a smaller community that I wasn't able to do in a big city. And on top of that, coming to a local town, the cost of living isn't as demanding, so you actually can establish yourself up in the North Country by working hard, by building network, finding your correct career that you're passionate about, still being able to make a good living, support a solid family, but truly give back to the people around you. And when you can put a smile on someone's face because you're making their lives better, there's no better reward. What is the sense of fulfillment there, maybe that was lacking in your, in your time in Boston? Um, Lauren and Graydon, you serve on the Foundation's Youth Philanthropy Council. This is probably a good place just to do a, a brief background on it. But it's also an advisory council of high school students affiliated with the Community Foundation. Representatives from three schools, Watertown High School, Immaculate Heart Central, and Sackett's Harbor. And as a group, you're responsible for making some meaningful grants to support nonprofit organizations in Jefferson Lewis, St. Lawrence counties. What I think is interesting is the councils have been in operation for eight years and in totality has given out $125,000 approximately to support the nonprofit sector, which I think is terrific. For the two of you, you've been a part of two years where you've given out close to 40000 of that one twenty-five, which I think is really neat. Uh, to transition to that experience and ask you know, two direct questions, you have to work together with other high school students to make these decisions. And it's a difficult thing to do even for adults that serve on boards. It's hard to kind of come to a consensus. Share a little bit about that process of coming to a decision that you know is ultimately going to make the community better. So when I joined the Youth Philanthropy Council, it was a group of all of kids my same age, as opposed to the year before when they had age ranges from 9th grade to 12th grade, or 10th grade through 12th grade. I think what has made the biggest difference during my years on the council is having kids that are my same age growing together. Um, it's been easier to discuss with everyone throughout the three years that I've been on the council and we've uh, come to conclusions easier since we've known each other for so long. But it is still extremely difficult because we don't all have the same background and we have different views and different missions ourselves and we don't all mesh together. So I think it's great that we have the different ideas but it's hard to come together to make one decision. Like Lauren said, it is a very diverse group and I think that's great. And you wanna be aware of other people's opinions. You can't let your own ideas stick in your head and that's the only thing you're gonna believe. But at the same time, you don't wanna lose your voice because if you lose your voice, you're just gonna be the puppet that's saying the same thing as everyone else and that's also very damaging to the council. What have you guys learned about yourselves going through this process? I mean, you're gonna be finishing up your third year, so you've, you've matured a lot, you've grown a lot personally, as you kind of reflect, what do you take away about what you've learned about yourselves? I've learned that I'm not always right. It's hard to admit to myself, but having the different views on the council, they've shown me a, a different view, just to repeat myself, but it's been crazy to envision other areas of the community and to be able to realize something that I didn't understand properly and just have the support behind me to um, view something in a different way. Not only have I learned so much about my community, but I've also learned a lot about myself. Before I joined the council, you know, I lacked ambition to get involved in my community. And this really, I think, turned my life around because now I'm involved in so many different organizations and committees. And it's really opened my eyes to all the great good things that so many people work on tirelessly, even in the small community of Watertown. Great. This is a question for everybody, but I want to start with you first. When you put yourself into a position of leadership, which I think for the council, you're all leaders, 
Um, when you step into that role, what is, what is the most important thing to remember as you begin to, to serve in that kind of capacity as a leader? I think the biggest thing that you want to remember is that you're leading for a reason. You're leading for the people around you and it's not just your voice that you have to lead for in your head. You have to be respectful and listen to everyone else's voice because that's, that's the true reason why you're leading. I mean for the three of you lead members, I mean you're on multiple committees, various boards, have either had to report to boards potentially if you're in the nonprofit sector. In a position of leadership, what are the things to be mindful of? I think what our young students here, which I think that program is awesome. I've just said that the better you are at listening to the people around you and understanding their point of view, I think it's easier to come to a consensus as a group. I feel like sometimes when an organization can be agenda driven, they might lose sight of their mission and they might fill their board with that side of the agenda. Where in realistic, in realistic if you had a board that understands their mission, goes after their mission, and then adapts their mission to the actual people that they're serving, you're gonna go in the direction that's gonna actually make you more successful. Because people always wanna see success, they wanna see improvement. People are gonna to give to organizations that are showing growth in regards to the need that they're focusing on. Whether it's an organization that's helping individuals or it's just an organization as like a business. People wanna see success. Um, and us, the reason why we serve on these things is because we wanna see success in our community getting better. So if you're willing to listen to people that come from different perspectives, I think that's why our lead group does so well. None of us are in the same careers. None of us came from the same background, but we came together and we always come to a similar need and we go after it because we can come to an agreement that this is definitely something that we need to work on and we feel like we can make a difference on it. Now, if someone really wanted to go after something and they weren't real willing to listen to the other people, then we could never agree on anything because there would always be that consistent back and forth. So the willingness to understand, hey, maybe that isn't something that I thought was important, but they're making good points, so let's see where this goes. And if it doesn't go in a direction we think, we will redirect it, but you gotta take the chance to go down the road to see if it's right. And if you're not willing to take those chances, then you're never gonna accomplish anything. You bring up a good point, Rob, because change is hard. It doesn't matter what level it is in your community. How you adapt to that can be difficult, but good leaders find a way or you know, call on certain skills or characteristics to help shift the leadership a little bit to accomplish that goal. Let's talk about that a little bit. Adapting to change in a community. Why is it important as a leader to be open-minded and adapt to the change around you? I think it's because your work has to be subservient to the needs it can't be the other way around. So sometimes, again, it's human nature. You get kind of stuck on one thought or idea or one view of things, and you kind of want to change the world to meet your vision of it, in a sense, when really it should kind of be the other way around. If, if your study of the community and its needs is telling you to go in a certain direction, even if that direction isn't the direction you originally wanted to go in or even were thinking about or they, that's not your passion, you have, to, um, you have to be mindful of that and go after it. Otherwise, it's just foolish, essentially. So um, that would be my take on that. I think that's where being unbiased really comes into play. I, th I think solid boards in our area are people that are very unbiased and they take the data as it's presented and make decisions based on that information. I agree with what, it, what was said. I think it's very dangerous to like develop like tunnel vision and focus on that one um, certain aspect, that one goal that um, you're really rooting for because um, in doing so you can often forget and oversee 
um, many other important aspects that um, aren't so prevalent to your beliefs. So you have to just kind of sometimes take a step back, take off that filter and look at everything as it is to really get a good understanding of your community and the needs in the community. And I've got to give a plug to some of the resources that we have in our community to help focus that. Um, and so I'll, I'm missing a bunch, I'm sure. But when I think about our community and what needs are in our community, I think about some of the efforts that some of our um, community partners and organizations do to really study that in a very scientific way. Um, so I think of JCC's um, Center for Community Studies, how they do um, a, a, a survey every year. Um, Fort Drum Regional Health Planning Organization, which is a partner to where I work, North Country Initiative, they do community surveys and studies um, and Community Action Planning Council does community studies. So there really is a wealth of knowledge out there for anyone, young leaders, leaders of any age, people who um, want to get involved to take a look and kind of put their finger on the pulse of what's going on in our community from a sort of a hard data perspective. I think um, being emotionally connected to a cause is always important, but it can't just be emotional. You have to back it up with actual data and um, really study it from a more critical standpoint. And so we have a lot of resources in our community to help us do just that. Where can we be better as young leaders? You know, the five of you are, are really demonstrating this in a very positive way now through your volunteer work, committees you serve on, in your school and, and in your community, but there's always room for improvement. So where can our young leaders, whether it's ourselves or others, where can we be a little bit better? I think the willingness just to say yes. Um, a lot of the boards, like I said before, that I serve on, I didn't have an experience with the board. I didn't really know what their mission was. I knew they needed help. I had help that I was willing to give. And then once I learned their mission and I became passionate about it, I was a lot more engaged with it. You also have to be willing, if you're in a situation where you do say yes, and you don't become passionate about it, you don't just want to take up a spot because that's not going to help the organization in which you're serving on. So Aaron said it before, you have to be passionate about what you're doing. But just because you don't know about the organization, you know they do good things, you do have some time, be willing to say yes, especially at a young age, because it's going to open you up to networking, put people in your life that could make a difference down the road. But it's going to allow you to see that, yes, you as a young person or a young adult or even an older adult, you can make a difference with one hour of service. And then once you do that one hour of service, if you're like, wow, I made a difference, I really like this, give them another hour and then maybe serve. But don't just not say yes to something because in the back of your head you're thinking, man, I know nothing about that group, I don't want to mess up, things like that. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to mess up if you're volunteering, you're going to be helping. I think more opportunities for young leaders to bring in students into situations where they can learn about the process. So to sit in on a board meeting and experience what it's like, you know, to go to a volunteer opportunity and, and be hands-on and see what good it's doing. I think the more we can do that and and really get, you know, the youth of our community involved, you know, I, I think it will be beneficial because I think they'll see what it's ultimately doing and also make you less scared when you when somebody does approach you to say hey you want to come sit on a board or you want to come sit on a committee you know you've already you've already been introduced to that so hopefully it'll seem less scary I know when I sat in on my first I was like I don't know what to do so I just watched I literally said nothing because I hadn't really been introduced I wasn't able to dip my toe in I just kind of got shoved in full force so I think if we can allow these experiences to be 
good first experiences, you know, where it's not intimidating, you know, nobody's gonna think badly if you have an opinion, you know, put you in situations where people are truly respectful of you, the time that you're giving, your opinion that you're giving. Um, the more opportunities we can look for as young professionals, um, and even, you know, people who have been super active in the community since way back in the day who are still very active today, you know, encouraging their kids, their grandkids, you know, really pushing that generationally, I think, is also going to be helpful. I think many people, especially today's youth, often forget that everyone's a leader. You don't have to hold a fancy title or an important position to be a leader. Um, in your daily life, someone's always listening. You're always influencing someone, even though it may be unconscious. You do, it's, it's there. You're always influencing someone. So if you use your words as a tool rather than, rather than weapons all the time, you're going to um, experience changes in your life. That's well said. To wrap up, this is not something, I, th I think it's appropriate for the group, but it's something to think about. When we hear the word legacy, I think we feel like we're at a certain age in our lives, you know, the back nine, I guess you could say, is, is one way of looking at using the sports analogy. But I really think it's important. I think the Community Foundation, we try to do a good job of this, where legacy really is meant for anybody, regardless of what your age is in life. You know, think about what you're going to do for your community. What do you want that to be? And I think it's an important question to ask for the five of you here. When you think about where you are in your life right now and how you've committed yourself to your communities, what do you think you want your legacy to be? I'm going to be a little selfish with this one. Um... I'm gonna take it towards my family. If my daughter will grow up and give back, that'll be my legacy. I don't care if my name's on a wall or things like that, but if she'll grow up and she will say, you know what, I'm gonna say yes like my dad did, and she gets reward out of it, she doesn't, she's not the person that will go get her job, have her life, and not wanna give back, but she'll be the person that grows up and says, you know, my dad was willing to say yes, he helped people, I can do the same thing, and she's willing to do that, then that will be my legacy will be, will be through her. I think that's extremely important because the more people growing up that are willing to say yes, you hope that her friends will follow in her direction or maybe her kids will follow in her direction after that. But she can make, it, she can make a difference, you know what I mean? I'm hoping that I'm making a difference. I can't tell you that I am. I'm serving, I'm doing things. I feel like that they're important. You don't really know who you're impacting every day. You don't know who goes home and says, man, this, is, this really helped today. But I could see it you know, when I'm an older man and I see my daughter maybe going out there and helping, I will know that I made a difference at least through her. I think for me, and I've never really thought about that before, but um, about a legacy, but um, I guess if my legacy could be in a sense uh, a big mosaic that I'm part of a much bigger mosaic of, of legacy for our whole community, if that makes any sense at all. So um, if I can, through my actions and work, um, really synergize with the actions and the work of other leaders in the community to make changes, both big and small, um, I think that would be amazing. And some of those changes might be loud and some might be really quiet and um, only be kind of felt privately by individuals in the community or you know some could be very small and some could be big so I guess um, when I think about that that's what comes to mind. I think a lot like what Rob had said you know growing up in this community and having you know a grandmother and a father who are pretty active in the community you know I, I would get people who would come up to me and say gosh you know I remember when your grandmother did this and I remember when she you know was so influential in that and you know, I guess 
thinking about it is that my hope would be someday my grandkids are walking around the community and someone says, hey, your grandma was awesome. She did this and this and this. And it's somebody that my family can, you know, be proud to say that, you know, they were part of the family and here's what she let, like, here's everything she instilled in me. And, you know, so just really passing that down generation to generation. I think, you know, having come from that um, and seeing firsthand, you know, how, how great it is, how wonderful it is to be a part of that and know she, you know, she was my grandma. She was awesome. And so many people loved her and adored her for so many different reasons. Um, so I, I, I think that that's something I hope to, you know, achieve someday. I hope my legacy just inspires others. I don't have a plan for myself quite yet, but as long as I can inspire others to get involved in the community, I know that I've done my job, whether it's my family or just people around me, that's what I hope to do. Like Lauren said, I want to influence as many people as possible because like I already said, before I was engaged in YPC and other organizations, I was completely oblivious to all the good that was going on in our community. And now that I'm involved and I, I took that risk and I um, told myself, you know what, we're, we're going to do this and I, I became involved in YPC, I'm, an, I'm aware of so many things that are going on and just how great our little community is. Well, I just have to say thank you to the five of you for serving the way that you do, for being a part of the Community Foundation's mission and work the way that you are, and for continuing to inspire others the way that you do. I think it's really great. You should be certainly proud of all that you've done so far. It's really exciting to watch what you're going to be doing next as you go along, and it's, it's really an honor to work alongside you in making the community better, so thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. That concludes another edition of the Northern New York Community Podcast. It is easy to find and listen to all episodes of the Northern New York Community Podcast. Just search for the podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or other podcast platforms. You can also listen to interviews and see other content such as interview transcripts, photo galleries, all on our podcast website. Just go to nnycpodcast.com to see more. Our sincere thanks to Aaron Simser, Joanna Loomis, Rob Slager, Graydon Burnett, and Lauren Quinn for their time and sharing their insight with us today. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to another edition of the Northern New York Community Podcast. Northern New York Community Podcast, stories from the heart of our community.